You're listening to Resident Advisors Exchange. I'm Martha. Thank you for joining us. This week, we welcome RA's Editor-in-Chief, Whitney Way, who is making her debut on The Exchange as we take a listen to her conversation with the producer, DJ and creative individual, Tiger Paul. Ballroom was, a, was the game changer for me. Once I heard Ballroom and I was just like, I'm, I'm, I'm discovering something very massive here because I'd never heard such a like a very direct sound that like is such a signature to a performance, a physical performance and dance um, in an uncontrolled environment for a purpose of a social community um, building um, togetherness. Like, you know, that led me to techno, that led me to the understanding of like what techno means and um, on a community level. Originally from Mandeville, Jamaica, and based in Brooklyn, New York, Tigerpore is a polymathic artist injecting their Jamaican heritage into techno. So far, Tigerpore has shared releases on Fake Accent, which is their own imprint and club night, plus Naffy, Discwoman, and Mixpack. Tigerpore and Whitney sat down for a chat at Unsound Festival this year, and as you're about to hear, this conversation covers everything from Tigerpore's love of Whitney Houston to their research into the root of homophobic language in dancehall lyrics and the making of their techno opera. More on that is to come as we welcome Tigerpore to RA's Exchange. Okay, thank you everyone for joining us on this live session of The Exchange with Tiger Paw. Um, first, I am the editor-in-chief of Resident Advisor and I will let Dion introduce themselves. Hi, um, Tiger Paw. Uh, it's like, you can also call me Dion. And <laughs> yeah, artists, uh, multidisciplinary, and uh, I was like, oh, hi DJ as well. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for being here. So I think that, that it's worth mentioning that at the very beginning of my journalism career, uh, I introduced Dion for very early articles. So the fact that we are reunited at Unsound is pretty crazy and it really is a full circle moment. Yes, I love it. <laughs> okay, so let's get started and talk about your musical background growing up. So I know that you're very inspired by Whitney Houston, who you discovered at the tender age of three. Um, and you were born in Jamaica and then eventually moved to New York. So what have been the formative music moments for you that have yeah, developed into your artistry? Yes, um, I always had, this is one of my favorite questions because I think where, where, what your immediate surroundings, your environment really informs mm -hmm. how you interpret the world and how you listen to things and like, um, Jamaica's like a really, has a really hit, rich history and sound. And, um, but my introduction, I guess, to melodies and harmonies and, um, uh, is, is through the voice. 
and um, listening to, to pop songs, like, like pop, like gospel uh, vocals, like from Whitney Houston. Um, actually, Tina Turner was a big one in the house as well. And, um, and, and so like that, I, I, I think when I was uh, three, I could, I could sing um, Greatest Love of All. Love that. that was a hard one on karaoke, too. <laughs> I, like, I really love that song. And, um, and, and I think because I, I, in my mind, I could register like the really big swells in, in, in the, um, the emotion of the, the vocals. And, 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 um, and, I, and, I'm, and I don't know if I could understand what lyrically she was singing about, like I could but resonate the love in the love in the tone was what really translates to me. So those are like the the very, very beginnings of like my study in like sound and the voice and, and, and then obviously being very immersed in dancehall, reggae, ska, um soca, uh and that rhythm rhythm that's it's like my foundation of rhythm comes from. And um, and then explorations further going deeper because I'm just a curious listener. So I like to, um, when I discovered uh, MTV and then I got <laughs> uh, introduced to grunge music and like uh, hearing guitars like Nirvana, even like um, later on more pop iterations of that like Alanis Morissette and like, yeah, I could like really and no doubt, you know, I just really just was thirsty for just hearing different genres and, and, and kind of like registering everything, like filing everything as like a sound palette. I do find that all these different genres that you describe, especially dance hall, is very like within the diasporic, like New York. When I remember when I was going out in New York, especially going to Fake Accent as well, there's ballroom, there's dance hall, um, and it's very representative of all the different people that have moved there. Um, so I am curious about when you first discovered techno and because I feel like that's a really huge part of your recent debut album so we were talking about your musical trajectory and how you discovered you in Houston and then all of a sudden you're you're also discussing um, dance hall but then get free is very much like this hybrid of techno but then also with very much uh, dance hall influences um, so could you speak a little bit about that discovery and that pivotal moment when all of a sudden techno became part of the conversation yeah, um, I would say in terms of um, finding my way to techno was a long road mm -hmm. because um, if you ask a Jamaican what techno is, they will give you a very different description of like what uh, Europeans think, you know, like what techno is to yeah. Europeans and what techno is to Americans. And... <laughs> Jamaicans have a, a blanket sort of term for techno as in like every, anything with a, a a faster beat that's like monotonous <laughs> you know so it's like uh, um, so like or they'll kind of like also just give techno as like a like electronic like all electronic music is techno mm. <laughs> that's, so just imagine like when I was maybe listening to dance music of the 90s uh, in Jamaica, like uh, uh, CC uh, Music Factory and like um, 
like the really like pop stuff that was on the radio for for dance music and not realizing how like some of the like the cc music factory is like house vocals mm. a house vocalist mm. and um like an, another night another dream is that that's like the real mccoy like yeah <laughs> i i kind of you know um think about my my early introductions mm -hmm. into 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 um like dance music and like being very drawn to that like rhythm mm -hmm. you know um because in in it's like that syncopation of the uh, the percussions mm -hmm. and and i was just, uh i definitely used to just like listen to it all the time yeah it's like it's pop dance music but the the the, the, the um at the core of it is still a 4-4 four, four, uh, format and that's like and I guess I, I was studying that then fast forward a little bit when I got a little, uh, more I could I, I heard like Chemical Brothers mm -hmm. and I heard like The Prodigy and I was just like then Jamaicans would describe that as techno I was just like I don't I, I don't know what the, the terms of each of these genres are what they fall because like later on find out that that falls on the big beat mm -hmm. and um I was always just kind of finding my way to to techno. Mm -hmm. So that's where it again to when I write, like when I'm in New York, and then when ballroom entered into my uh, knowledge of like that, because honestly, ballroom was a, was the game changer for me. Once I heard ballroom, and I was just like, I'm, I'm, I'm discovering something very massive here mm -hmm. because I'd never heard such a like, a very direct sound mm -hmm. that like is such a signature to a performance, a physical performance and dance um, in an uncontrolled environment for a purpose of a social community mm -hmm. um, building um, togetherness, like, you know, Th that 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 all of that like that led me to techno that made me to the understanding of like what techno means and um on a community level and um and then my obsession <laughs> with ballroom is just like going going to the balls in new york yeah. getting um uh you know just studying you know djs like my q and and yeah. um and, and, and byrell and um, even even RJ LSE XOXO, yeah. I, I was introduced in, in in from the ballroom scene, and getting a, getting a little closer, little cl then discovering Kevin Aviance, and like then learning and getting the knowledge that like ballroom is derived from house, and then like mm -hmm. house brought me a little bit closer. Like still still that there's still a division I would feel between house and techno, yes, but like. Um, I st I'm, I'm still I'm still sifting th through things to 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 get to the discovery um, where when I'm just trying to think when I heard Jeff Mills for the first time and honestly not that long ago like mm -hmm. the bells I guess hearing hearing that that song but not like like I really had to do a lot of self teaching you know just through listening hearing being out in 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 the club world listening to mixes listening to you know what my friends are playing 
Um, and it's, and the thing is about like like when we we hear like Baltimore Club, when we hear Jersey, Jersey mm-hmm. and I was just like, we we're just literally different, slight iterations of each other. That's that's nothing barely only maybe a like a sample here and there is separating and a and a uh sh- uh shifting from the what's like uh one two three yeah the the three ending on like <laughs> the third beat like skipping over a little bit like to create that little like uh skip mm-hmm. in the dun, 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 dun. you also mentioned at a certain yeah. point i think during one of the interviews i was reading about you that you discovered the new dance show on on youtube maybe that was during the pandemic i was gonna say i did right? a youtube dive yeah yeah <laughs> as we all do <laughs> yeah that's and uh because before the new dance show i I came across a documentary that really was a game changer for me. I don't know what I was. I, w- I literally was just like, I'd like to do a little bit of research. I love to, to, to watch a lot of like music documentaries because I have, um, I just ha- like to understand where things derive mm-hmm. from. And, um, and I would just always had that curiosity. I think I watched, um, there's a music doc on uh, uh, press, press, pause play um that covers a lot of like electronic music and then in that documentary um it was incredibly whitewashed like everybody who was speaking uh, about electronic music was 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 white or white presenting and and i was just like where where are we in the conversation because i was like like if i'm be, if I'm in these spaces and I'm and I'm and I'm discovering ballroom and house and and it's very black, you know, <laughs> it's very black queer communities uh, at the forefront, and um, and the foundation comes from house and techno, and I was just like, well, how how do we get here? And and so when um, I did the digging and I wanted to find out more about Jeff Mills and. Um, uh, I came across this like documentary about underground resistance, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and 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 then the origins of of techno from Detroit, and then it just everything kind of just like went off. <laughs> I was just like, then the new dance show came up. Then I just like went through the whole <laughs> the the video archive <laughs> just to like to realize like. Black people dancing to 1:40 p.m. <laughs> it was in the 80s. I was like, it was like the best thing I've ever seen. Like, such a beautiful discovery that really unlocked something like a, this, this, this like uh, affirmation. It, it was really affirming mm-hmm. to see it, and and so you know, it helped me to kind of like. Uh, I would say like a validation, you know, just like it's okay to, to occupy this space, like like your ancestors like created <laughs> this. And 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 I and I and I and I say this as a journey to discover because it's never direct. Like there's no there's no class to take to to, to understand a history, an accurate history of of the foundation or origins of techno or electronic music or like how but we know you know who invented the first synth and like who has like really invested and been able to profit and capitalize and in in in, in electronic music and it's like you know it's not someone that looks like me so 
um, but the tools that those were, you know, the innovation behind it, like, and how we've like presented to make techno, like, it's drum machines, like, taking a 909 or 808 and like <laughs> sequencing everything out and, 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 and making incredible music in the beginning, like, that just, that was re incredibly affirming to me. And I was just like, I really want to take that step and dive deeper into, into, to, to making techno and, and, the the way the way how a Jamaican can <laughs> can make techno and right. and that's how you know mm -hmm. this development and this path to techno has formed. I mean, your album is definitely about. I mean, Get Free is definitely about Black liberation and uplifting uh, Black people. And you collaborate with Mandy Harris Williams, who's a conceptual artist. Um, and I there's this one song in the Own Land interlude when you talk about sunken voices call from the depths to remind us that they were unafraid. And you right now you just discussed your ancestors. So I'm actually really curious. Like I've read some of your Instagram captions, and you often reference like speaking to your ancestors or calling on your ancestors. So um, is that like a method of like spirituality or some kind of like I don't know some kind of uh, I don't know I guess like greater power or something like that or like people that came before you that you call on that is part of your creative process. Yeah, it took me a while to uh, register and understand what the calling is and sometimes that like really the inner compass and I, and I have no other way of like referencing or speaking to it other than like it being the voice like my ancestors <laughs> like like working mm -hmm. through me and it 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 takes a you know because jamaican is jamaica is a incredibly conservative and um you know christian um mm -hmm. densely christian uh uh population and um and so you it it's it's like in the in a in a post colonial uh you know developed country it is giving the education that i received is incredibly <laughs> inaccurate for like what my ancestors had experienced like it is not about it's not about the perspective of my ancestors the perspective of of the the colonizer and I, and I, that's what i was taught and so it took a very long time to unlearn and unpack a lot of that conditioning of thinking, of the way of thinking. And so when it's always to pay, it's the acknowledgement that like I, I come from <laughs> somewhere and I come from, you know, where my ancestors have traveled. And then, but like Jamaica, I'm doing more research and more study to have a more accurate um, depiction of our, our history. And it, it it is a wild one. <laughs> it is like an incredibly, tumultuous wow it just makes sense it just makes sense for the spirit of the people like how, how where we are now uh what we've been able to achieve mm -hmm. as a uh culture uh as a people and um what's that driving where does that driving force comes from and 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 it definitely comes from our ancestors and like they were able to uphold a lot of our um the message ultimately through generations and generations so it's sort of like an oral history mm. and um and and i think that's why for me yeah like acknowledging that that there's a root there's a cause there's a drive there's a there's an energy that's that built up and 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 yeah 
it's a part of me. Yeah, and then the the music is this almost like this vessel or like like this some kind of like conduit or channel that flows through Absolutely. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I also was curious, like before, for those who didn't, who don't know, um, you were also creating an album before your debut that was based on uh, it was going to be a dancehall album about marinage and these free communities in it's the 15th funny. and six, 16th century in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of a sudden, there was this like pivot once you made the discovery into techno, but still, there are still techno elements or dancehall elements in Get Free. Um, in, in finding, you, you keep on talking about like rooting through all these different histories. Um, and I'm curious about if you're still, if you're still like working on that other project, is that going to develop into something else or? It, it's okay. So, so um, the, it's, it was going to be like an electronic mm-hmm. uh, music, like ex, uh, high concept album. Um, and it would probably obviously consist of like elements of of dancehall, but it it would be presented in 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 however the fashion that I like that I choose like you know because I like what I was making on um, it's always been of of that it it, it um, I guess sonically it always comes from a bit of influence of like where my aunts like what mm-hmm. i've what i've what i've uh been immersed in for like the 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 earlier portion of my life and that that lit that rhythm that like that syncopation that it's 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 in our dna it's like written in us so sometimes when i'm really like doing a hand b or like you know i'm playing it i always play in that like you know very uh afro-caribbean like mm-hmm. style and uh that I feel like I'm I'm probably going to it's coming in different iterations. Mm-hmm. Like I'll be I'll, I'll be able to 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 continue that re- work, but it requires so much research because my, um, maroon culture is still is there's like so much mysticism still mm-hmm. around it, mm-hmm. and like it's it's a community that's very protected, and like for me I feel that I I would have to visit and go and really to have a better understanding and be immersed in that cu- culture to 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 do it justice to understand like because it's still very much operating on like uh invite only and like oral um exchange and um in knowledge and and um the history so but there's books there's books that I'm like you know actively engaged in like reading and developing and and I guess it would be a good segue but um I think that album is now translating into what I'm doing with the techno opera that I'm um developing and I'm I've I've done two iteration two one iter one intro overture mm-hmm. and like perf- performed twice and um yeah that just really it's it'll bring it back home and connect it a little bit more because i i think that like creating this op techno opera it is the it'll it's it's the vessel that i'll be able to use to start to to create that story that narrative around my culture and like diving a little bit deeper into unpacking of its history um through sound like ultimately 
Sweat. Yeah. yeah. I think that no matter what, even if the project itself changes, it's always amazing that no matter what research you put into it, it always eventually finds its way and threads its way through your work somehow. Um, tell us a little bit more about the techno opera overture because you performed it at Cream Cake in Berlin mm -hmm. and then again in, in New York, I believe. Yes. Um, what, yeah, what, what was the process and what exactly is the message that you're trying to communicate? I think once I had completed Get Free and listened to it on its on a whole and realized how much I've like I, I came up with a full bodied like um concept on I think like I, I had executed what I had set out to, to do in terms of black liberation and like giving a, a sonic like a soundtrack to, to that of the time <laughs> during a pandemic. Um, I, I, I kind of felt very compelled to continue that work on a on a on a long term um, scale, and so the techno opera just came to me as like to merge um, my research deeper into um, my culture, my ancestry, um, and be able to present it in 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 this in this like intersection of of where my worlds are meeting you know where where i've occupied uh, a lot of time and energy and space in uh a separate land from where i was born and that's like uh america um i would say nyc <laughs> in its own like place and um and to be able to 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 really merge those worlds is um is a, like it was a really strong desire after like um, being introduced to like Einstein on the beach, Philip Glass, and um, yeah, wanting to challenge a bit of um, how opera mm -hmm. is presented, how 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 we engage in it, how how much of a, a very um, elitist sort of like prestigious space and who and the access and the lack of access you know because I was like I, I you know I, I, I think of opulence and I think of like all this this grandeur of of an op, uh, an opera and how it already has that barrier for you know a certain audience that will maybe probably engage in, in that space and I and a lot of my work still exists in 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 the plane of dismantling a lot of like mm. limitations and, and, and restrictions that are systemic. <laughs> so like, um, yeah, the challenge for me is it's like yeah, creating a techno opera that's accessible and like, you know, really engaging in it's like, a, a, you know, you'll, you'll take from it an experience where you'll you'll enter into into the performance not quite knowing like a bit of what to to expect but also leaving with it with a like a grander um concept and idea of like where others may exist and live in this world where you don't quite have that you know similar experiences and so it's like you know, an exchange and like how can we like understand each other mm -hmm. a little bit better mm -hmm. and we can understand each other if we understand where, you know, your neighbor your neighbor on a global sense, you know, 
has experienced and come from. Because I think a lot of time my challenges are just like when I speak about Jamaica or if I speak about my experiences, a lot of people don't quite understand how rich of a culture we have, how how lively <laughs> of a people we are, and resilience is 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 a, a big um, part of our um, DNA. But it's 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 also really important to 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 kind of like be able to spread a bit of information that is more insight and um so that people can get a like a broader um understanding mm-hmm. of uh yeah i think it's really interesting that for your techno opera you use the tonal patterns of techno to talk about this history of dance hall music and the way that oppression um and violence can be spread through certain lyrics uh within the genre I'd like to use one uh, pattern or one mode of music to explore another history or the other contours of another genre of music is a really interesting concept to me and it really goes back to like the hybridization of dance hall and techno that you have uh, how did you come up with that because I feel like that's relative that's very creative and and rather unusual and unique I yeah unique is the word because <laughs> um, because um, I do believe that because uh, uh, okay, so so I'm gonna bring it back to how Lee Scratch Perry pioneered reggae, mm-hmm. and he used the tape echo mm-hmm. um, to create that dub effect sound. Like that is so like, and that's used across the board in a lot of of genres today, and. And I think it's that that you know, like if you listen to his interviews or like the way he's, it's like no, we don't. There's no limitation. We just think it, and it's just like why cannot why this can be done? And 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 experimentation is like at the core of what we uh, what we love to do. And and you know, for me, I f- I find it really interesting to to pair. These worlds, like uh, these sound, these sonic, these 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 tones, in in the beat of techno, is so driving and and urgent, mm-hmm. and then dancehall to me is also driving and urgent, mm-hmm. and um, there's there's a the particular um, decade in dancehall that uh, that I that I was really really tied into, was really drawn to was when they were, um, maybe the early 2000s, when they really were, um, not experimenting, but they were really, with the BPM being a bit faster. And and then that created like this really intense and like, really great rhythm to dance to, you know? It's just, it's just, it's driving. It's just like, and I was like, now that I DJ, like I, I, I could like, put in a dancehall track, I pair it and put in a techno track and I could blend them together. And I was just like, I knew I heard that those like similarities and um, and it's all about, you know, studying rhythms, studying beats and just like, and then also just like, not just studying it, but like what, what, what energetically and like what, what's the feeling? What's the whole vibe? And 
to me once I like discovered a bit like Scan 7 and the way how they do a lot of their syncopation in, in terms of building out their, their techno beat, it's to me very, very similar to, to, to dancehall, maybe different pockets of, of, of each percussion, but ultimately um, it, it, it makes sense in my brain. <laughs> and so that's why I wanted to explore using, like marrying them basically together, like a marriage that could <laughs> that could work and that does work and um, that gives me like a wider palette to work with because mm -hmm. restrictions to me in sound doesn't doesn't make sense when there's so much to work with right right mm -hmm. and I think that I mean, we can talk briefly about the contents of the techno opera in the sense that you're exploring how dance hall is I guess a form of um, expression for yeah. black men but that mm -hmm. at the same time it the lyrics are very transphobic and misogynistic and homophobic, uh, and they perpetuate this violence to other, other gender expressions and other kinds of people. Um, when you were in the process of writing the techno opera, this is obviously something that you meditated on. So, like, what kinds of emotions were kind of coming up as as you were developing it? Yeah, I, I yeah, that's a that's a point that I didn't want to get to in like. Um, my challenges with my culture and like uh, growing up in Jamaica is that like transphobia, homophobia is, it's almost like it's a, um, it's like an indoctrination. <laughs> like you, it's, it's, it's like you put it in the, you put it in, in incredibly um, uh, infectious music mm -hmm. uh, to, uh, to hide it, you, to hide that kind of hate in something that is so, big, a sound that's so big. And that's the most disappointing and most hurtful thing because it's just like, it just completely deteriorates the integrity of the genre, of the music, of the movement, with the reason why dance hall was, was, was um, uh, created and, and, and developed. And it, it, you know, inner city communities that like felt oppressed by the government because <laughs> the government was like, is an incredibly, um, manipulative and, and, and destructive um, force and that, that's like heavily influenced by America. Um, you know, if you, if you, re, if you, you know, pick up um, a, hist a brief history of seven killings by um, Marlon James, you, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, historical fiction, but quite frankly, it's literally what happened <laughs> to, in Jamaica in the 60s in the political parties, like fighting for uh, political power um, to influence how Jamaica would move forward and develop um, as, you know, a country, you know, inf like influenced by socialism in, within the Caribbean at the time with like Cuba, um, Norman Manley being friends with Fidel Castro at the time and, and, and America wanting to put a stop to that relationship. Um, yeah, without getting like, but, but that's the work, you know, like you, you, thinking that music does exist on its own. Um, when, when black people <laughs> are, are behind at the foundation of it is a, a grave mistake because a lot of how music develops and, and, and evolves and grows and from one genre to the next and like that is influenced like reggae is a is a is a forefather and then dancehall is a son i was like not to use antiquated like gender <laughs> binary mm -hmm. but like 
um, we understand that like when dancehall was created in the 80s, what was what took place in Jamaica in the 70s to create that destabilization because the political political party that America had influenced and wanted to win won, you know, and so that really destabilized a lot of like inner city communities and like didn't have like work and 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 the government really wasn't supporting the people so um a lot of times we go deep down into the root of expression mm -hmm. jamaicans is like incredibly pioneering in 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 terms of self-expression mm -hmm. and dancehall derived from that like they came together, well, men, black men came together, created sound system cultures, like expanded on what reggae was doing and, and just, you know, went a little like deeper with the lyrical content, you know, a little bit more political with the, the uh, lyrical content. And then with that political, you know, speaking against the government in uh, lyrically, you know, paying homage to forefathers in uh, in Africa, you know, African pride, you know, we can hear it like, you, you know, you know, an artist like Butcher Banton saying, like having uh, lyrics like um, about African pride, and then early on, early on in his career, having lyrics about um, really violent homophobic lyrics, well, boom, bye, bye, and that's the same artist, but that's how it is like structured in terms of why I, I, I really want, like I always try to get to the root mm -hmm. and understanding of, of why uh, we have these challenges uh, socially is, is that like, you know, the oppressed feels stronger when they can like enforce mm -hmm some power, you know, to equalize a power dynamic. And so Christianity also comes into play in, in, in terms of like the, the conditioning and brainwashing of, of what we're taught as this like, hom you know, homosexuality is mm. bad and like, you know, it's a sin and, and <laughs> the one, maybe one of the greatest sins mm. if, you know, according to Jamaicans, but like that it just keeps growing from there. So. I wanted to just address why lyrically the, the like it's 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 a constant it's like 90% mm -hmm. <laughs> of like yeah. a lot of dance song music has the men primarily or actually only have something to have some homophobic lyric within a very harmless dance hall song about dancing or a celebration they'll just like inflict one one line <laughs> to yeah. say I'm against this thing, and it and it feels like it's a, it it, 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 it you know, like a general, if you you know, because I understand pato, that's why I can like decipher whenever I hear hear it, like, because it, it's very slick, it's mm -hmm. like it's just in there, just to, just to plant it in there, it's subliminal almost, but you know, to to Jamaican that understands pato, we we it's very much there, so it's taking on this challenge of addressing um, how destructive such a, a, a widely celebrated genre yeah. globally, you know, can be and flipping, you know, taking the elements uh, of the lyrical aspects of it and like using techno almost to like 
form, like completely dismantle it is the intention of the, the overture ultimately. Yeah. And like to really like put it, flip it on its head and like just as violent as those lyrics can be, the power to change can be just as great and 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 to 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 really kind of like let you know have people you know when you, when you remove it from its source when you remove it from the the catchy little rhythm and beat that we we dance to and like you know when i hear people dancing to chichiman and i'm just like well they know they know what it means now <laughs> and um if you take those lyrics away from that that like really infectious beat they're just hate speech <laughs> you know it's just hate speech and and that's that's what i'm 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 like moving towards like separating it from the the cloak the the the, the um like you know the infectiousness of 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 dancehall's rhythm and like you know because techno has a has a more has a more direct effect on on you know it kind of doesn't hide anything mm -hmm. and that's why like you know like techno is so beautiful because like you're just faced with the elements instead like and like there's no lyrics to influence how you perceive the music mm -hmm. and so you know using pairing using it as a peer to like De deconstruct like it. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say there's almost like this energy of transference from like the black liberation and like the Afrofuturism that techno is based on and then using that to almost heal this experience with dance hall or like stop this cycle of oppression that you're discussing in terms of like the transphobia and misogyny and homophobia of dance hall within, within your work, within the techno opera. Um, yeah, I think that I find that very powerful. Yeah. Um, I just like I want to add like because if you really separate it from the the source, the original source, and then put it in its like in plain sight, then there's nothing to hide from. So it it it's it's more direct and able to like really reconstruct like your relationship to the content. Mm -hmm. Of, of 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 this music and so yeah that's like really my aim i find it interesting that you always go deep into the histories of these various genres and you get to the root of them and meanwhile you're trying to almost redirect the, f the future of where yeah. they eventually will land <laughs> like you're you don't want history to repeat itself and for, exactly. uh, for the maybe the lyrics or like the content of the music to potentially affect other people that are growing up uh who might be marginalized and and have um yeah different kinds of identities yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's um, you know, don't want to get super uh, yeah. overly political, but it's just a high, like a really high rate in terms of trans vi um, violence against a trans community, and and yeah, if if e even like I can sense that like my safety is geographic, like where I I I am, but like I still want to exercise that urgency mm -hmm. to be able to like do have our influence change in some way, you know, like even, you know, I'm not naive to think that like we can, you know, I think small acts lead to big things and big change. And like ultimately, you know, I, the biggest goal for me and is to, to present, to be able to one day present the, the techno opera in Jamaica mm -hmm. and like, you know, and 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 to start 
kind of like the conversation to um, decriminalize um, um, like the laws against homosexuality and you know that perpetuate homophobia and transphobia in Jamaica like you know that still exists in other parts of the world as well. Yeah. I think the, also the techno opera is a very interesting comment on the way that electronic music is starting to move into these like like high art or like these different cultural spaces. Um, I think that there is such a fusion of a lot of electronic music artists that are also performance artists or they're also scoring films and everything like that. And so how do you see this techno opera and, and your um, your practice as a musician expanding um, and developing throughout all kinds of creative forms of expression that you're interested in? Yeah, I, I mean, uh, uh, one of a primary goal, a primary aspiration is um, to do um, soundtracks for uh, like scoring for film. That's because the two media film um, visuals and sound are like my the two strong points of like of the trifecta, really <laughs> like the, the the big picture, and um, that like uh, I sometimes I I feel like it's so far away, <laughs> but it's so. Is so close because these are. I've always just like I've always never restricted myself or limited myself to one mm -hmm. avenue, one space, one way of ex exploring a practice, mm -hmm. and um, and sound and sound and music and 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 diving deeper and 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 expanding my knowledge is is really important in getting to to see where where I can take it, where I can go. Um and, you know, never in my wildest dreams sometimes where I've done I've done collaborations with really incredible um performance artists. I've started my career like um in the art world, like in, in sound with um doing the score for uh a performance piece uh, entitled Disco Tropic by Neva Costa. And that took me to, to Berlin actually for the first time to um, present it at a festival ton, tons in August, I think, I believe. And um, it really, it, 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 it's, it, was the, it was the first exploration into understanding like how how much joy it brings me like to be able to compose or like construct a piece that goes to movement or goes to a visual or goes to you know it's just like it's incredibly gratifying and yeah like, because you started off uh you moved to new york for parsons yeah, yeah so you enrolled in a, in a visual arts course at parsons mm -hmm. school of design um and yeah, could you explain a little bit about that? Because obviously you find visuals very compelling, but what were you really drawn to? Um, yeah, um, that's because when I, uh, before I was, I am a musician, um, before that came the first explorations in, in, into knowing I have artistic inclination was that, you know, I was drawing all the time when I was uh, younger, I mean, like five or six and then, um, that developed into being able to like draw like um, realism, like as as much like still life, 
draw realistically really early and like that's a like Jamaicans are we don't have the strongest um we don't have a lot of investment into art uh maybe now but before uh, at that time not quite so it's not really like if your child's like an artist or has artistic inclinations it's not encouraged <laughs> it's like it's like that's a hobby and um and so but it's something that i really really enjoyed and so i kept i kept doing it you know there's not much to do i'm i'm from um mandeville in jamaica it's very very quiet small <laughs> place it's like aka boring it's not much to do um and and so yeah you want you you know like i pass the time by doing a lot of like illustrations drawings and um when i went to high school i had a teacher that kind of like started to tell my mother that's like oh they're actually like talented you should actually and should invest in this this is possibly something that they could do in their life and that really helped that really set me on my path to get to new york to go to art school because um there um there's i think there's one art school in in jamaica but it's incredibly underfunded <laughs> and it was created by this is the man manly um edna manly who's like i think norman manley's uh wife and and she was an artist and like that's the only reason why they invested in in the arts at that time it's still it's still very much underfunded but the only program that they had was like a two-year certificate and my mom's like no that's not happening <laughs> you're not going to just actually no it's like they said like four years but all you get it was a certificate not degree it's like hell no so her her friend's son was applying for art schools and we're the same age and then um um my friend's mom sent out applications and because 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 Jamaica's limitations on resources um don't really provide me like with a with a an idea of like what these schools mean <laughs> you know um in the grand scheme of things and so when I had to apply for art schools there's I think like four of them there's Pratt S S uh SVA um FIT Parsons and um I applied to all of them and I got into all three except for uh, uh I didn't get to SBA because my GPA was shit <laughs> and um but the rest you know could be like okay you clearly have a talent for this and you could you know um that that changed my whole world another thing premise to really drive home is that like at the time that I got accepted, 9-11 just happened. happened. Um, that created um, the chance of me going dropped significantly because then they cut the quota for, for visas. Not just in half, but by a very, very small portion. Like it became like a lottery at that point. Like if you got a visa <laughs> post nine eleven from a developing country, you, 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 you yeah, you're on your, you're, you won the lottery in life. And you won the lottery. I won the lottery. You won the lottery. 
I want like I, to this day sometimes I I don't I now understand like living in in New York for so long understand what it meant I was like so I took it and like you know I went to I you know decided on Parsons went to Parsons and it really started me on my path of like where I am today because it's it it opened up so much in my world of a very limited perspective of the world, you know, with the education that you receive in Jamaica and, um, and like what access that I had after that was be able to like, I, I, I expanded on so much. It's not just the university, but like being in the city also being very much in close, you know, network of communities of like jazz musicians at the new school that I basically got really into jazz because prior to that, I didn't know anything about jazz. And then I was just constantly at the jazz clubs listening to my friends play and like really having a mind expansion of like epic proportions <laughs> in the first couple of years being there because I was a sponge and just observing, absorbing everything. So art in the in, in the visual art aspects, like I ended up studying graphic design because my mother wanted, wanted me to do something practical <laughs> and like that would guarantee me to, to earn money, but I wanted to do fine art. And, you know, full circle situation, I'm, you know, uh, I kind of had to fall off of doing visual art because of just life challenges and defaulting into a very precarious situation with my immigration status. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, having to struggle through that, like just to survive in America for a while. And then music really like kind of overpowered the original uh, format that you were comfortable with. Yeah, I guess, yeah. when did you find yourself immersed into like New York City queer nightlife? Uh, was that during when you were at Parsons? Because obviously this is when you discovered, I guess around this time is when you discovered ballroom sounds. Um, and yeah, I'm curious about when you finally kind of tiptoed into New York City nightlife and became a massive figure within it, <laughs> doing fake accent as well. Thank you. I... It's, it's, you know, the journey has been long. It's been, it's been, cause I didn't really like, I guess when I saw Paris is Burning was the first time I was introduced to the ballroom, but like being introduced to ballroom on a screen. Not the same. <laughs> it's not the same. <laughs> Y'all should definitely know that. And then um, going to my, I don't even remember when I went to my first ball or like, um, or Kiki Ball, or like you know, is it 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 really? It probably started when I started fake accent, mm. and that's that's later on because what I was doing when I left Parsons was I um, I picked up the guitar and I and I was teaching myself to play an instrument because I started to like being I to go and play in bands, and I played in a couple like little indie bands and like. Um, strengthening my songwriting um, skills and like learning how to play with a band is like um, a very, I would say it's, it's, it's kind of like a skill that if you, you apply it to DJ, it, makes, it gives you like a really 
bump. <laughs> it gives yeah. you like a really like step ahead, like because you um, you understand like melodic uh, mixing and harmonics and all this stuff, and you're training your ear in this way to do um, not just like beat matching, but like to do things that are you know a little bit more oomph in the mix and and that's 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 that was my venture into music and you know sort of like nightlife because when i was in those bands and then um on the, like a side my my bandmate was a dj mm -hmm. and i would go see her play and she was playing vinyl and like i forget what club it was but it's like in the les in um sutra it's like sutra i don't remember that one yeah it's it's not it was like it was in the 2000s. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> it was like early, like maybe 2010 too. And um, I back then, when I think about DJ, I always thought about like vinyl DJs. Like I can do like that's tough. That's like I will leave that to professionals. <laughs> but a friend was like, "No, you should do it." It's like if you want to DJ, it's like because I was always curious, and um, I got hold of like. She taught me a bit of Serato and like, you know, dropping on the one and like doing, doing, doing that. And then I really didn't get like fully into it until I had to start fake accent. And I wanted to, because it was about community development. Like I really wanted to, 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 to build a, a space uh, for LGBTQ plus um, a queer, like Caribbeans. Um, to, to, to have a, a, a safe space to, to be in and, and, and to meet each other, to network, to, to, to build community. And, um, and I needed a DJ. <laughs> and I couldn't pay one because like the, the, the venue that, that um, was offering me the space, they didn't have the, um, they didn't have the, uh, yeah, the money to, to, to afford two DJs or multiple and like, and then also the pay was very low because I think it was like 40 bucks mm. from like 10 p.m. to like 2 a.m. I was like, okay, I'll do that and I'll build. And I just build the night and I really started to hear a bit more um, about the other like uh, queer spaces that I could go to, like mm -hmm. POC. And, um, and I haven't even tried like, I, I did like Vogue Nights, I, I, I went to once or twice and then that just that blew incredible. everything away i was like this is just the best thing in the entire world yeah. because it's not just it's like it's the energy and like paired with um the chanting on the like the vocal mm -hmm. the you know each the order of like everybody gets their spotlight to perform and win and money for it <laughs> and win on like money. a monday and, um, yeah <laughs> on a monday the best day of the week and um yeah uh i really it 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 it, it sparked something and then I, it's like for me like it's taking elements of ballroom to be able to apply it into the the, the like it was like yeah i would never take away i just like was so curious to like, how can we add this into a club experience? Mm -hmm. Like, and then it's like, obviously, it's the music. I was so, so drawn to the music. And ask, you know, um, how when you put a ballroom track on and somebody knows how to Vogue, how they'll, like, immediately, 
get down in that spot and like mm. clear like a whole space for for that person to to vogue down and that is the respect mm. in the community for a really important genre and community that just like has built up such a in cultural dominance mm. in 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 NYC nightlife and so just building on that and like seeing how much my experimental mind and like how how do we marry like different worlds and different like um like jersey like jersey club like be more um experimental artists coming out of Baltic like abdul ali um uh then you know just housing where can we just go to this house all of this music that honestly have like really deep relationships with like their cousins of each other and like you know really build a space where all of that can thrive and like that's that ultimately that's how i created like fake accent into what it is and so that's all of it just is like a full circle moment in in terms of I know we were like how did you get in visuals was I was like I don't know my life is just so it's just about living and experiencing and applying mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's that's how my, my my path has been it's like it's like I get these I, I have these experiences that like bring me into different worlds and then I can just like you know as amalgamation of all these things and like put it together and it absolutely makes sense because what I want to prove is that ultimately we come from a, a source, we come from a motherland, we come from, you know, we're all connected in right. a way. I think that's interesting because there's this, um, I actually wanted to talk to you about New York City nightlife now that we're, we're on that subject because I guess when you created Fake Accent, it was in 2014 and this is kind of around the time when I was also clubbing in New York City and there was this, there very much like this wave of um, LGBTQ plus queer and POC parties that were going on, like Juliana Huxtable was throwing something, uh, shock value, you were throwing fake accent. There was also, I guess like ghetto gothic as well was kind of in that realm. Um, But I guess things have kind of shifted because all of a sudden there was, because of the gentrification, the aggressive gentrification in New York in like 2017, there was several clubs and it felt like almost a, not a decline, but definitely there was like some sparse, sparse venues and there was something shifting going on. And then a lot of artists like Marco, um, he, um, yeah, False Witness and Joanna Huxtable eventually moved to Berlin. And there was like, it felt like there was a mass exodus to a different city. But of course, you know, you've been throwing these parties and you've stayed. How has the city changed and how has nightlife changed in your experience? And where is it now? Really? rapid rapid change i you know it's the thing about what 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 pulls artists to new york is yeah we rom- rom- we romanticize it in a way it, it deserves to be romanticized it, it it really has um been this 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 it has a, this such a pulse to it this energy this beat this like where you know Artists have come from in when in seventies and eighties, and they've really like built something substantial mm-hmm. in across different uh, mediums, you know, like in visual art and 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 music, and then those those worlds always met 
They were always meeting. Um, when, he, when we talk about, um, you know, Fab Five Freddy and like when um, he, was, he was with Basquiat and like, and then, uh, and like Keith Haring and like, you know, there's documentaries about that where we can see how, you know, the intersection in between the worlds. And I think, you know, as you mentioned, Juliana and like how her practice of like, she's, you know, she's a visual um, artist as well as um, uh, electronic um, musician artist and, um, and creating her own like space to, where she can curate that like nightlife where it can meet a more experimental club sound that like is a little bit like more driving and and heavier and aggressive and um it was such a we're just continuing on the 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 iconic like aspects and like that path uh that new york has like really um cultivated and so I think there's each there's a passage that comes like each their phases for phases yeah and and but we're really at the mercy of how much the sh the city changes over like gen when gentrification comes into to play and when venues have to, to to close down like venues that really mean a lot to us and that have like created um that access point for us to to host our events mm -hmm. um when they close ultimately that's when our events end and when that's when we have difficulties you know like we're you know we're never gonna be throwing parties that like when output was oh, yeah, true. you know what i'm saying like you know that what they were giving at yeah, that true. time um and then they're no longer there so <laughs> um we're talking about like the palisades and the sunny vales the sunny, and yeah you know and you know, for the Transpicos was where where True. I developed um, my parties for fake accent, and um, you know it, it. You know, like when they close, we do really feel it feels like a part of the scene dies when exactly. a venue closes, um, because the venues are just as, as important as you know because they're they're the, the space that facilitates the movement, and. Um, so we did have a lull in 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 when important spaces went away um where to go from there and honestly that was a hiccup for me like once once you know space some spaces like shut down or like their other spaces changed management and became problematic I had to move and so it it kind of like slowed it pulled a lull in the situation with with uh nightlife and i do believe a lot of the times when the bigger um venues that are the ticketed um uh venues when they have to when they you know invite us in to to to, to, to have their bottom line is always about the capital or like mm -hmm. routine you know covering the overhead and and so at the end of the day it's about earning the venue money and like selling out the bar so their incentive is always you know like pack it out as much as it so they're own they're prioritizing successful parties that are guaranteed to have an audience that they've already like built up and you know new york is incredibly competitive so nightlife 
like can become incredibly congested and like over um overpopulated and then people don't understand how much work it takes to to mm -hmm. organize and build and grow um a party so i like my friends my beautiful incredibly talented friends of poppy juice um i love I'm poppy juice so proud of to see that they're one of the parties that started in a very one of the small venues that are no no longer a bar one last shag um that mm -hmm, that started very literally maybe like a 50 capacity venue <laughs> i like the way we like crammed in there like sardines to get our lives i remember artists like myself lsd xoxo Byrell the great my q um all played in that little space and, and i to, look at all of you you know so that's how that's why i say how important the spaces are for uh organizers to and promoters to be able to to start somewhere to build and that is what no longer exists these smaller more like risk takers that are not about you know you know the overhead and like you know really want to cultivate and like nurture community we were we're lacking in in those spaces right now currently in new right, york right. and then that's why that shift and that absence mm -hmm. i feel that you you feel that 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 is really predominant right now it's like the it's it's we we really right as i can see see it as it is right now we only have like the four like four venues that now mm -hmm. do they 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 know and understand that there's this absence of the smaller venues that that used to really carry the the the, the brunt work of the 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 community um and and, and accessibility and they're doing the, the work to, to make their spaces more accessible. Right, and that's also the, the vitality of New York, that pulse that you're talking about in New York. It comes from these smaller parties, so I'm curious to see what happens when, you know, the churn, the ultimate churn of, like, nightlife, is it, is it going to die in New York? Is it being criminalized in New York? When are people going to feel tired and exhausted to keep on fighting the good fight? Because it is really difficult to survive, and that's partially the reason why I moved myself um, away from and I don't even throw parties I just attend them you know what I'm saying yeah I'm right behind you yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I mean I guess we're t like let's um wrap up a bit and talk about the future what are you hoping for what certain projects are you looking forward to is is New York going to be forever for you like what what are you looking forward to in the future so much so much so much good is happening in in music and art and um and the way how we've managed to to just like be resilient be resilient and uh get to this point where our music is really being heard on like such a global scale that's what makes me really proud of every like just being here at uh, on sound and like last night you know just hanging out and experiencing my f my friends that I've like come up in the the scene with like unique uh baby mother you know um um chippy <laughs> nonstop and um and then tonight you know following LSD XO XO's de uh, live debut it's 
it's that's what makes me so excited for the future it's just like to to see my friends win and, and and to see us make be able to continue to make incredible music where now you know we have we have a world stage we have like people who are really tuned in um people are really excited to 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 share our music to 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 um support us as artists we have platforms and organized you know um festivals that are interested in um you know booking us <laughs> and um and 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 you know we, you know there's just there's just like really i could say that like this year has surprised me so so much in the projects that i've been able to work on um that i did um a collaboration or or you know i was a part of a project with moog synthesizers mm. um where they put out their their ep on um sound i think since like uh exploration and where you know the challenge was to create a track with these the the their three modular synths um that the studio um, that they have the the, D, the DFAM, the subharmonic, and the um, Mother Thirty Two, and um, like I'm on a, that EP with Paula Temple, and you know it's 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 that's what I mean like representation that like we are now starting to be a part of like we're we're you know where there's been a whitewashing, but now the acknowledgement of artists like myself in spaces like these, it's really important. You know, I feel like that is a revolutionary act and um, we're continuing on that like journey. And yeah, that's, that's what excites me the most. It's just like I can be in Poland and have such a incredibly <laughs> fantastic carry of a night with artists that are my friends that like are doing incredible things so um yeah it's 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 nothing but continuing to you know working on this next album and continuing to to develop the techno opera and you know hopefully i'll be be able to present the the, the opera in its, its full iteration you know next year around this time in Europe. <laughs> that sounds really exciting. And maybe in Jamaica one day, too. And maybe in Jamaica. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Thank you so much for sitting down with me for this exchange. Um, Thank you for having me. It's been such a great time. Like, being able to speak to you. Honestly, you're amazing. And yeah, I just want to give like so much love to you for really doing this work as well. Like, you know, it's just important. And like, I'm like, I'm really just proud of everybody for getting to this place. I am too. Thank you. Thank you for listening to RA's Exchange with Tiger Paw and Whitney Way, recorded at Unsound Festival. Our full archive of podcast episodes is available for you to take in. If you enjoyed this episode, you might like to listen to Marcus Barnes in conversation with the DJ and promoter Stephen C. 
their chat is available on all platforms right now. It is such an incredible listen for any up and coming promoters out there. I'm going to have a new episode of The Exchange for you next week. Until then, take care. Woo!